Finally. I'm listening. Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we're strapping ourselves in because we're in for some chop and talking about StarCraft for PC. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. We're in the pipe, 5x5, five five. let's talk some games! Let's go! My life for IR. Oh my god! There are so many. Or, words. or if you, uh, if if you mishear that, my wife for hire. Oh no! <laughs> I, again, I got really annoyed every time the vulture was like, "What?" I'm like, "I will kill you! I will kill yeah. you!" Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? We'll murder you. Uh, <laughs> so it's our StarCraft episode. Yay! Yay! I hope you could post video of that because both of us literally did the same thing where we threw our arms up we and did. we're very happy about this. Speaking of videos, if you haven't seen the clip either on Facebook or on YouTube, check out the clip we posted on Sunday of Chris naming a bunch of the StarCraft units until producer Lisa told him to stop. <laughs> it was a shamefully small amount of units. I, I, I watched that and it was like, why couldn't I remember anything it's pressure there's too much pressure for you that's uh, a sneak peek to a future episode where under pressure we couldn't name things i mean y- you get it from the hint of the name of the video what we were naming in the other video yes <laughs> so check that out on our youtube games we grew up with or on our facebook page gwdw show Ooh, that might also be games we grew up with actually so games we grew up with yeah <laughs> Or you could check us out playing these games over on Twitch at GWGW Show. We also have Twitter and Instagram at GWGW Show. Interact with us. Talk to us. We love hearing from you all. It's fun. We did an unfortunately small amount of streaming for StarCraft. Part of that was because uh, both coasts were together again Yay! last week, which was fun. But man, we we literally played zero video games. I can't. We had games we were supposed to play that we didn't. Play. Yeah, we were and in we trouble. didn't. There was there was a lot going on. In fairness, we had a lot going on. Very appropriate to the genre of this podcast, if not directly oh, yeah. to this podcast, is we were supposed to be going to the When We Were Young Festival, which was a festival about old emo kids going to a music festival in Vegas. Uh, it got canceled on the day we were supposed to go. So Boy. if you looked on Instagram and saw that story, you saw us looking ridiculous on Instagram because we dressed up. Chris and Lisa luckily still were able to go the next day. Producer Kyle and I, unfortunately, were not. But everyone had a ton of fun anyway. So another reason to follow us on social media. You'll f- see random snidbits like us dressed up as emo kids. Snidbits? Snidbits. Tidbits? Tidbit? I, I mixed a lot of words there. <laughs> I think it was snippets and tidbits that I mixed up there. <laughs> so, 
Check us out on all of our social media pages. There will also be another StarCraft video coming to our YouTube page sometime soon. We played four-player StarCraft and all four oh, members of the podcast. so fun, yes. And we've discovered that we could probably make that work for Coast to Coast. So it'll be. we'll figure out a way to do it on Coast to Coast. It'll be yes. so much fun. We had a lot of fun with it, but I will be uploading a video where you'll get to see our different perspectives. Uh, and so you get to see the people who are carrying the team and then me and producer Lisa. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you contributed. No, we both know that we both did. I, it was just a funny of like how much more you would, because you guys were so much more comfortable of knowing what to do right off the bat. Also, producer Kyle and mine's completely different philosophies <laughs> on how to play multiplayer, which in fairness, I actually mostly track with his, but we couldn't get away with it totally but we'll talk about that later i think it's time for our video game trope of the day trope of the day all right bring it on so chris what is today's video game trope of the day our video game trope of the day is wall bonking or in other terms pathfinding is hard <laughs> yes so this is for whatever reason a character will find themselves either running aimlessly with their face against the bricks or slamming into walls or struggling to get around and just failing to get where they need to go in a practical way over and over and over again this of course is a huge factor in rts's like yes it, it's Everywhere I was reading of, like, if you're building your own RTS, a big thing you should do for your, your fans' sake is good pathfinding. Yeah, so it reminds me of Age of Empires, where they literally had Graham Devine, who we talked about in the seventh guest episode. Oh, yeah. Because he was that developer. He was literally working for Ensemble Studios as their pathfinding guy. Like, this brilliant dude, and it's like, no, we need you on Pathfinding. And then he actually got pulled into Quake 3 for AI, because Pathfinding is incredibly important. Yeah. Like, it, it made me think of, especially in this game, the Pathfinding was okay. I think part of it was they didn't design the levels necessarily great for certain units, so you had, like, siege tanks and goliaths especially that couldn't make their way up ramps in, in StarCraft Yeah, because... I'm going to disagree slightly that they didn't design it well outside of the environment, but because there were times when the units, I would direct them to a corner and one would just start wandering the opposite direction. Like, where are you going? Yeah. Come back! It's very hard to do, like... Because it's you want the AI to get the best path, but like, let's say something blows up in the meantime, or it, if like a ramp is clogged, yeah. people need to go around, and so they end up going crazy. Plus, no, it, it makes yeah. sense in that way. And in case you aren't familiar with the term pathfinding, this is where your character will walk along, what path they will go to get to the destination you've you've chosen for them. So that's why yeah. in RTSs it's really important because you'll click and say, I want you to show up at this location. 
how they get to that location is often left up to AI. And because of that, that's where pathfinding comes in. But RTSs aren't the only time this takes place. There, It shows up in other games. It, just in general, a lot of games that have extras running around like in assassin's creed i noticed yeah. this a lot where someone in the background like one of the townsfolk just like is running into a wall and you're like what <laughs> are you doing like and it's just because they're trying to build these guys to look natural and just walk around on not yeah. preset paths but inevitably that causes problems team fortress 2 had this problem especially on payload maps where your teammates would try to run through the walls in the spawn area because it was like there was some glitch where they thought that was the closest way to get to the payload. You saw this in um, Daikatana. That mm. was very famous where the AI was terrible, yeah. where like your two AI partners were chasing each other in circles yeah. because they were trying to find the best way to the exit, but still follow other pathing algorithms. And you needed them to finish the mission. Yeah. Which is always the worst part. Yeah. Speaking of the other time you need someone to finish the mission with you, escort missions. Duh. And you're trying to bring someone with you, and they're just, like, going the opposite direction. Like, or where are you walls. going? Dead Rising, um, Dead Island, uh, weirdly enough, two zombie games where you had to escort people. Their pathing was terrible. Goldeneye, Natasha, Natalia. We're not going to yeah. do this again. Natalia would <laughs> you just... You did the Natasha thing! Natalia would just wander away, and you're like, Natalia, yeah. get back! And then she'd wander into gunfire, and you're like, well, yep. you had it coming. It, it, in fairness, it is hard to program that. But it but is, it is so frustrating important. when it's not done well. Yes, exactly. That's, that's the toughest part about it, is it is hard, but it's not something you should skimp on if you have the option. Yes. This isn't something that really shows up, I would say, in other media um just because it, it does heavily involve ai obviously yeah but you will see it because it's become such a common trope of you'll see like anything making fun of video games or uh, that kind of media you'll see that like character in the background that's just running into the wall over and over and over again i feel like this happened in the movie free guy because it's within a video game that one of the guys gets like stuck in a loop and he's like hey guy and he's just smacking into the wall over and over and over again like that kind of thing uh wreck it ralph I oh, think Ralph. had that where yeah. there was there was the AI person that was just constantly running into the wall. Yeah. So so you will see it in media, but it's almost always video gaming media that yes. you're seeing it in. But it is a very frustrating feature when not working well. And it's a feature you don't think about when it does work well. So it's really thankless. Yeah, right? It's a thankless thing that's really really nice to have and make sure it's done well so that's why bad pathfinding and wall bonking are today's video game trope of the day trope of the day ready to roast <laughs> light it up so now it's time to talk about the game of the episode katie what can you tell me about starcraft for the pc well, it is a real-time strategy game, if you didn't get that hint from our trope <laughs> of the day. Uh, it was developed by Blizzard Entertainment and came out in 1998. As you said, it came out for the PC and Mac. There is an N64 version. We're just not going to talk about it because nobody talks we will, about it. We will not talk about that. <laughs> oh, God, it's bad. That's all you need to know. <laughs> it's bad. It's, it literally pushed back any sort of hope that consoles could have an rts game for years i mean there hasn't been a good one really 
But this was like kind of the proof of concept. Command and Conquerors, I want to say, were on PlayStation for a while. I know, and I played it, and I got by, but yeah. it wasn't great. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, speaking of, Command and Conquer was one of the reasons that Blizzard actually thought they could move into the more sci-fi, military-style RTSs, because Command and Conquer was doing really well, not just for mm-hmm. PlayStation. Uh, and so that's why when they decided to go to the space side of things as opposed to sticking, sticking to the fantasy realms, because, of course, StarCraft came out after Warcraft 1 and yes. 2. Uh, Command and Conquer is one of the reasons they justify. They're like, well, they're doing realistic battle formations. Why can't we do space battle formations? Just, it's an idea. Yeah. They're, they're also, you can also, throughout the game, really see the heavy influence of the things that they identify of Starship Troopers, Aliens, Ender's Game, and 40K. So much 40K, like, to the point where there are people that aren't aware of 40K until after StarCraft, and they're like, 40K ripped off StarCraft. It's like, no. Blizzard's stance is they didn't rip off 40K. Yeah, and they're wrong. (laughs) They are so wrong. In Chris's opinion, please don't sue us. (laughs) I mean, like, the Zerg... The Zerg are Tyranids. The Protoss aren't really... They're kind of a mix of the Space Elves, which was just a ripoff of Warhammer fantasy. Well, but. the the Space Elves were also... I mean, there was also influence because at one point, Blizzard was working on another game that ended up falling through. I forgot what it was called. At the same time period that had space vampires. And so some of that comes from the space vampire culture they were working on. Okay, so I'm remembering this now. I really want to say that Blizzard was supposed to do a Warhammer fantasy and then made Warcraft with Games Workshop? Maybe. Because StarCraft, they apparently were working with LucasArts at one point before StarCraft came out to do a Star Wars RTS. And when that fell through, they decided they wanted to make their own IP. And that's when StarCraft came along. There's a lot of influences from just sci-fi. They want to go sci-fi. They're like, hey, we've done fantasy. Can we do sci-fi? Yeah. At the start of StarCraft's development, the Blizzard's team was about 50 people, and 20 of them were for StarCraft. So it was 20 people who worked on this game, pretty much, which is incredible. So, so interesting, yeah, back in the early days of of Blizzard. Yeah, so the the plan was to do StarCraft in a year, because WarCraft came out in 94, WarCraft 2 came out in 95, so they're like, StarCraft, 96. That didn't happen. It's interesting, because Blizzard is a... studio that to this day though now they're blizzard activision it's a little more complicated but for a long time blizzard would not contract out their properties to other developers yep and one of the reasons was because they wanted to work on starcraft they contracted out the expansion pack for warcraft 2 to another developer and they hit one of the big milestones saw what the other developer did and was like no you're ruining everything and took it back and basically it was like, we don't trust you. And so that delayed StarCraft because everyone moved to finish that project up. And then they started working on Diablo. So then Diablo came out. Back when back when Blizzard actually cared about like putting out good games yeah. and not dividends for stockholders. Right. So they actually delayed because they were worried about their own game. And then they, because they're like, well, we promised an expansion pack for Warcraft 2, so we'll do that first. And then Diablo came out, so they did that first. And then they all worked on StarCraft. So that's why it didn't come out to 1998, because they started working on a bunch of other games. I really thought it was interesting 
that each race had a unit that was considered the jumping off point for how they would structure each race. Like they basically had an idea for the, each race. They're like, here's the base unit that we want to start at and like base yeah. everything around this. So for the Terran, it was of course the Marine. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's your starship troopers, space Marine. Exactly. Zerg was the hydralisk. That's fair. And honestly, it's, it's interesting because I, w- I would have thought that like the Zergling. I would have thought the Zergling mm. as well. Which is weird because the Hydralisk wasn't in, like StarCraft Two, originally. Really? It wasn't. I I don't think so. Or it wasn't a. It wasn't a primary unit. Like I, it might not have come until the Zerg expansion. Expansion, whatever. Like, but yeah, yeah. that's interesting. No, Hydra Hydralisk is very. I mean, it's literally on the splash page of StarCraft. Right. So. That makes sense. And the last was the Dragoon for the Protoss. Which, again, is interesting because the Zealot is way more front-forward. Yeah, but I think it's because both the Zealot and Zergling are fodder. I mean, so is the Marine. But yeah, the Marine is what started But the Marine everything. is more, way more iconic. Yeah, the Marine is what started everything. Yeah. And then the other two were these. I think the other two are defined why they're so different than the Terror. Yeah. So I thought that was really kind of a cool way of, like, that that's their starting point. So they have, of course, ideas of, like, each race had different – the structures and the way that the buildings looked was completely different. And, of course, how you play them is completely different. And so that's really interesting, too. They they really made a conscious effort to differentiate each of the races in a way that they didn't do in Warcraft. And we talked about that in our Rose segment you know, yeah. a little bit, is that they just didn't do it as well in Warcraft as they did in StarCraft. They put a lot of care – an effort to make sure that they things stayed different for each yeah work warcraft was very much a like skin swap essentially yeah the other thing is this is it's from starcraft that we kind of have that iconic blizzard art style uh because at the time the a lot of people started moving over to 3d graphics and blizzard was still working on everything hand-drawn or pixel by pixel like they Mm -hmm. were doing 3d generated graphics and so to kind of find a middle ground of not going purely 3d but making it more than hand-drawn or whatever is they start doing like the thicker lines and the kind of more cartoony not cartoony style but like over the top style everyone was a little bit more dramatic and mm-hmm. and that's kind of really what it, it some of it came from the warcraft styling but they really emphasized it in starcraft and that's why a lot of those iconic looks for blizzard started really in starcraft which is kind of interesting yeah. as well so the music for this game was composed by Glenn Stanford. It was a ton of synthesizers and outboard hardware. It had a very twang, western yeah. style, which kind of off to the point in StarCraft Two, it leaned into that cowboys in space feel so much more. But it was very much like that, especially for the Terran stuff. But even in the other campaigns... I, I don't know. The music is so iconic and good. Like yeah. I, well, I think Cowboys in Space was literally like what the composer was thinking of. He's like, that's for yeah. the Terran in particular. It was how did country and rock music make its way to space? This is yeah. how I'm interpreting it. And then the other ones have a bit of that influence while still changing it up because they're not the Terrans. They're you know the Protoss and Zerg, but he still has that same overall feel to all of them. And I, that's yeah. why I think it's it's really neat and different and stands out. And doesn't get boring, even though it's repetitive. No, it really doesn't. And and I mean, I I would I will to this day, I have 
put the StarCraft soundtrack on in the background just as like ambient music while I work mm-hmm. because it's just so much fun. Yeah. Fair enough. So all the units have a voice. All the units have a ton of lines. Mm-hmm. A lot of these were voiced by Blizzard employees, which, which is so much fun. And they just kind of tweaked them, quote, beyond recognition just to make them fun in the recording process. Both like voice, mouth sounds, whispers, especially for the Zerg, hisses, breathing. Yeah. All of this was kind of thrown in. I, I, in my notes, I, I noted that I love the noises. I love the voices. I love the hydralisk purr. That that stands out to me like when you click on the hydralisk, it does the like I don't know why that's so cool, but it like just it's just out like in your brain. Yeah, it it really does. And it's it's funny because you know the Terrans are just people. There's various accents. Like your 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 battle cruiser is is weirdly English something like London accent, I guess. Producer Kyle says it's more Russian in his opinion. Oh yeah, I get yeah yeah yeah. No, I'm I'm literally battle cruiser operational. <laughs> so that is yeah, I can see that. Battle cruiser operational. Prodos is just screaming things. Yeah, just a lot of screaming. And then the Zerg is just noises. noises. <laughs> yeah. Squishing noises, too. <laughs> Some of them are more weird than others. Yes. But there are, were, of course, professional voice actors in well, Chris likes to always point out. Robert Clotworthy. He is, he's Jim Rayner. He's such a badass as a character. And then you look at him and he's this nerdy dude. Like, um, what's what's the travel guy, producer Rick Lisa? Steve. Rick Steves. Rick Steves. In my brain, he looks like Rick Steves. Okay. And he voices Jim Rayner. Like. Amazing. There's a story of Robert Clotworthy in an interview who was at um, BlizzCon. And there's all these people, like, taking pictures in front of the gigantic Jim Rayner statue. Yeah. And he would just, like, walk up behind them and in the Jim Rayner voice be like, Raiders rule in the Jim Rayner. And everyone would freak out and look around and be like, oh, my God, you're the voice of Raider. Amazing. Yeah. So let's get into those critical responses. Yes. It was the top-selling game of for PC of 1998. Uh, and... Blizzard expected it to do well. They'd done really well with both Warcrafts up to that point, so they were pretty confident in putting this game out. Uh, They weren't expecting it to do as well in South Korea as it did, and it's really (laughs) what made Blizzard an international company as opposed to just a a North American company, which is really interesting. So there was an estimated 9.5 million copies sold. 4.5 million of those were in South Korea, and this is by 2004. Yeah. So, six years. Oh, my God. Insane. StarCraft has set the Guinness World Record for the best-selling strategy game for PC and longest-serving eSports game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I I mentioned this in the Rose section, Mm -hmm. but the cultural impact of this game 
in Korea cannot be understated. Yeah. Like, this had such a huge presence in South Korea in the esports area. Yep. Like, it's... There were still esports tournaments going on when StarCraft II came out. Like, even after StarCraft II came out, and that was 10 years after StarCraft came out. Like, Brood War as an esports has to be one of the biggest games. So this was going to be one of my fun facts, but well, it'll fit. It fits in here well. Brood War Mm -hmm. has been. It is the. 24th highest award or 24th highest prize category of any esports game. It's hard. I don't know how to word this. According to esportsearning.com, they list the top 100 games where the most money has been awarded through tournaments. So this isn't sponsorships or anything like that. These are purely through tournaments. And StarCraft Brood War specifically, StarCraft Brood War was number 24 on that list. To like modern to like that is still twenty fourth on the list to today. Yeah, uh, it is now. They they tried to accumulate all this information from news articles and online information, so it's not perfect. But they estimate that around seven point two four million dollars have been awarded for StarCraft Brood War tournaments. That was over a ten year period, as you said, Chris, from nineteen ninety eight. To, or not 10-year period, sorry. That was from a 20-year period from yeah. 1998 to 2018. It was the thing that kind of put esports on the map. Yeah. Like, this was this was before Dota. This was before League yeah. of Legends. Obviously before Player Unknown Battlegrounds. Yeah, which Fortnite. Is, yeah, it was before any of the Battle Royale. Like, yeah. This was one of the original esports right. games. And, and so the fact that it's still 24 of the top 100 is incredible. Now, StarCraft II, I did know, is eighth with $38.2 million. So there's big gaps when you hit that point. And when you look at the number one prizes, they're way higher. But that's, in retrospective, the money prizes and esports is so much... Bigger. It's, it's bigger. It, it got bigger. That's, it's that's so why, much bigger now, and yeah, it's considered it, it, StarCraft more StarCraft II got bigger, yeah. Like, it was... Esports were normalized, and then you had normalized. a ton more money. I mean, again, like Dota, the international, always has a ton of prize money. Right. But like, but this fact- was the game that put esports on the map in right. in my tiny little world. And I like, think a lot I guess- of, but I think for a lot of people, this was one of the first big esports to ever yeah. exist. This is the one where the first time that we'd have analysts talking about a sport in a tournament. Like it wasn't yeah. just your local gaming store doing a tournament. These were international tournaments where there'd be analysts and they'd have, you know, people would go and there'd be audiences and everything. Like this was a big deal. And I think it's just really cool. Like there's a lot of prize money that was given out. And again, but the fact that there were known tournaments for Brood War for 20 yeah. years, that's incredible. Going back to our, our critical reception, Game rankings had the aggregated score of the time when the game came out, so not retrospectively at a 93%, which is pretty Mm -hmm. incredible. I will say 77 for the N64, which is higher than I thought. Well, yeah. RTS on console is just a a mess anyways. But but all of the reviews, everything was talking about, like, it was just revolutionary. It was so good. Everyone loved the game. But... In contemporary reviews, I found it really interesting that a lot of people noted the game wasn't significantly different than what the status quo of real-time strategy games was at the time. But it did it best. It yes. wasn't like it did brand new things. It didn't do something that no other RTS has ever done. But it did it better than everyone else. And I think 
it, that's an important note of like they didn't revolutionize yeah. the genre of game, but they did it better than everyone else and notably better than everyone else. It was polished and then they came back and patched it and balanced it. Yeah. Because it was in that esports realm, balance was incredibly important. So they put in the work. Yeah. Biggest criticism, both retrospectively and in the time it first came out, was the pathfinding. Yeah. Again. Some, some people didn't like the art style, but the pathfinding. Derpy Goliath. That's. Uh, uh, I, I had one other fun fact before we move on because we've already yeah. said a ton about this but starcraft was at one point part of the united states air force's air and space basic course and yeah. they used it to teach newly active officers about crisis planning under stress and joint service <laughs> teamwork the reason the reason they like to use starcraft over more realistic simulators is uh -huh. because all of the realistic simulators they could find weren't realistic enough. So then the officers would get too distracted by saying that's not how it actually works in real life and would start basically arguing with it. And so Starcraft was just is far enough apart, obviously, because it's not realistic at all, mm -hmm. that they could only focus on actually like studying how battle tactics work and working under stress, as opposed to why is this not like real life? And I find that freaking hilarious that is fascinating uh there of course as we've mentioned a couple times the remaster came out in 2017 and part of that remaster came out a little bit after the actual remaster is starcraft cartooned which is chris which is it was a wonderful still is a youtube channel uh carbot animations which was just did silly shorts that were only like three minutes long and like a minute of those was the opening and closing logos. Oh, Jesus. But it was silly cartoon versions of StarCraft, and then the dude worked on a mod, and he got popular enough where Blizzard actually hired him to make this mod that they could sell. And that was... It's, it's amazing. It's just cartoony versions of StarCraft. It was... It's, it was originally a channel about StarCraft 2, because that was out of the time. And it's fun to go watch all of that, because you could almost track, like, the StarCraft 2 meta. But then it was applied to the original StarCraft Remastered. Yeah. I so, paid for it. Producer Lisa paid yeah, for it. Yeah, if you check out Producer Lisa's stream in general, uh, there you could still watch the VOD on our Twitch. Uh, she did, I think, pretty much the whole thing in the cartoon version. Yes. So, that's a good example of it. But anyway, I think that's we've talked a lot already about just the game, and we haven't even gotten into us playing the game. So, Oy. Chris, it's time to play that Chiacarina of time, go back to the past, before we had a chance to play the game in recent history. Caveat, because Chris played it recently, but not as <laughs> recently. Uh, so let's play that Chiacarina of time, go back to the past, and see what we thought about the game before we had a chance to play the game. Let's go. We require more minerals. <laughs> Hated that. <laughs> so that music brings us back to the past, back before we had a chance to play the game. So, Chris, what do you remember about StarCraft? A ton, because I played <laughs> this game 
a lot and then well into like now. Yeah, I was going to say, this is one of the games you've played definitely way recently in the grand scheme of things. Especially because they released the remaster like a year ago. Yeah. So, of course, I had to go back. I will preface it and say that we had Warcraft 2. That is a game that we owned. Yes. Did we not own StarCraft? We did not own StarCraft. Why do I remember the box art then? I don't know. No. We did not. I specifically, and more than than StarCraft box art, that's not even true. I remember the Brood War expansion pack cover art. Like, vividly remember that cover art. I don't know how, because that was... We never owned either of those games. Seriously? We owned Warcraft 2, and I, I played the crap out of that no, game. No, I remember that, but I could have sworn we owned StarCraft. Did we not have StarCraft? No, we did not own StarCraft. I went over to a friend's place. I don't remember. There's two friends I distinctly remember playing it with. One of them was we were supposed to be doing a Shakespeare project. <laughs> And we stayed, like, overnight, and we were supposed to be, like, recording a play of Shakespeare. And instead, it was me and the two other guys and the one guy's dad. And we just played StarCraft on the <laughs> LAN the entire night. And we woke up the next morning, and we were like, oh, crap, we have to record Shakespeare. Sorry, Mom and Dad. We did, like, the Marlon Brando Godfather, where we just had, like, the lines strapped to our chest. Oh, my God. When we were trying to record it. I know I've played this game. Now I'm having an existential crisis of I where know. I played this game. Because, like, vivid memory of the Brood War box. Like, I remember, like... I don't know where you found that, then. Because <laughs> I also remember playing it at my other buddy's house, one of my bandmates back in back in high school, we played it at his house a ton. That's where. So I just had pirated versions. So I, you know, I say that maybe we played it at the house and then, and we played it with the pirated versions. We must have. I swear, because when I was writing my notes down for this game, and I I literally wrote the note. I was like, I think I remember the picture on the cover. And then I looked it up, and I was like, No, what am I thinking of? And I was like, Oh, it was Kerrigan. So it must be Brood War then. It and I looked Brood up Brood War. War, and I was like, <laughs> I vividly remember. I vividly remember that cover i don't i I don't know how because i don't think i bought this until i don't think i bought legitimate versions of this until i was in college and i'm pretty sure i bought it at least twice because i lost the discs oh my god so i just bought it again because the battle chest was only like 30 bucks so it's just like just buy it again for more battle net discs like is this is this in my brain because of GameStop and maybe it was on my sh- the battle chest was on my shelf for a while? It ha- you know, based on that timing, I think it might have been. I mean, the battle chest definitely was for sale. As soon as you said battle chest, I was like, yeah. I sold that. Yeah. But I swore we had it. Oh, God. Okay, so maybe that's part of it. I know I've played it. Now I have no idea where I played it. <laughs> like, I definitely played it in high school. I played it in college as well. Yeah, I remember Kerrigan. Like, I remember that whole storyline yeah. and how, like, traumatic that storyline was at first I, I, oh I knew, yeah i i could remember gets, it's there it's ahead. the protoss zerg and Terran. yep like i was like i do remember like chunks of this more so than i thought i would <laughs> I, when i started i was actually notes. gonna quiz you on this and you're doing quite well see I, where did i play this game i don't know because it wasn't <laughs> together <laughs> oh no what this is gonna be good then this is gonna be good 
this is like trauma. Like, uh, why have I repressed yeah, this memory? Because Kerrigan got left in, was it New Gettysburg? I don't remember where remember. she got left, but she got left. And then you think she's dead until the DLC. No, 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 no. Is it uh, not? It, no, when you get to the Zerg campaign. Oh, that's what it is. And the chrysalis, and you have to like escort the chrysalis. And it's and it it hatches and it's Kerrigan and it's yeah. like oh dang yes that's what it was and it was like oh this is dark but I also going back to my GameStop days this is one of the ones that I made a uh, reservation for you for to boost my numbers uh, for StarCraft Two which is funny because StarCraft Two I think is my last midnight release yeah and I didn't do it in your store I did no it in... I think I just yeah, told I know, you like, don't worry about it yeah. I just need the number. Which is funny because it it was, at that point, it was a preload game. But I still was like, I'm going to show up at midnight. And then I got home with it and producer Lisa was like, you're going to bed. You're not playing this now. (laughs) It's like, okay. Okay. (laughs) That was one of the things, because that was one of my, like, to boost my numbers, you had to have a certain amount of reservations or pre-orders, whatever, and a certain amount of subscriptions that, like, to your stats. And so... I would like make a reservation in your name. And so I was already cheating the system because I was paying for it in your name. I could but have gotten so much money from your store it was only just like, on pre-orders. Right? I mean, it was $5 per, but still. But I always consciously made sure there were games that you actually would want <laughs> just in case so that if you decided to buy it, I could have one ready for you. Like I, I was like uh... tried to do the right thing of like, well, Chris would want this game, so it's fine. <laughs> but I bring it up too because I remember we used to, when the games actually came out, we would call they're like a week before or so call yeah. people on the reservation list and remind them hey this is the store you have your pre-order at and the starcraft 2 game took so long to come out you know it because it was so much later and i don't know if we'll talk about this in the main episode because we're mainly talking about the original but there yeah. was such a gap between the original and two and it was, it was been 10 rumored. years yeah it'd been rumored forever reservations opened up five years before the game and so we had yeah. reservations from five years before that i God. had to call and the people be like what are you talking about or like a couple of them were like i've moved like i don't <laughs> know what to tell you i'm like well i guess you've lost the five dollars forever <laughs> like, I don't, yeah i don't know what to tell that's, you that's that's when blizzard actually cared about game development wild Womp womp. Yeah. But yeah, so like I remember like bits and pieces. I mean, again, this is not a game. These types of games weren't ones I was good at. But I actually liked, I liked StarCraft more than I remember liking WarCraft because I felt like there was a better overarching plot in StarCraft. There was a, there was a better story, definitely. And the controls were better. You could control more units. Yeah. Because, like, Warcraft, you could only control, like, nine units, and StarCraft was, like, 12. Yeah, I feel like it just it felt and, a bit smoother. It was a, it was a later game, And then game, once obviously. they... So they were really good and kept patching the game to mm-hmm. add, like, producer releases not in the room right now, so I could say a quality of life improvements. <laughs> they add so many quality of life improvements to StarCraft over the life of the game, and especially into Brood War, which... I, we're not going to go into Brood War. No. Because that's just, that's essentially like a second game. Yeah. Even if it was an, an expansion. But uh, I'm planning on playing the game with the Brood War expansion patches because of all of those quality I mean, of life that makes improvements. Sense. Because they were so good. Like, 
Blizzard was so good about updating this game. Yeah. It just made it easier to play. I, yeah, I loved this game. I remember the campaign being kind of maybe a bit draggy towards sure. the end. Like it, it, it uh, it's, it's hard to talk about this without talking about StarCraft 2. Yeah. Because StarCraft 2's campaign was so completely different but we're trying to talk about starcraft the original rose thoughts rose so thought. yeah again remember sitting in a basement in in a buddy's room up in a loft playing this game multiple times i remember i love the protoss i love the carriers yeah I, I because think- the carriers were just crazy. This is the first game I think we're covering on this podcast that was really land-based. Like, this was a land party game. Yes. Yeah. More well, so- I mean, like, like, well, yeah, because we didn't do, we haven't done Doom yet. Yeah, so. that's what I mean. Like, this yeah, is the no, first this was game a land really party a game. land party game that we're covering yeah. and, and all of it comes And that's, along. that was really my first exposure to it was in essentially a land party. To be fair, the proper way to learn it, I guess. Yes. And I think beyond just the land party element, the battle.net element of this was something that oh, yeah. set the game apart from so much that was out there at the time because you know when I was growing up playing this we would be playing online all the time with people and staying up crazy late doing it even on not great connections but the the world that came out of the online community here in terms of people who had modded maps and customized rule sets oh yeah yeah and you could see all these I remember like Big Game Hunters was. I was gonna say do you remember Big Game Hunter (laughs) because that was the map that we always played it was the it was the map with tons and tons of minerals. Yeah, it had all the resources you need, so you yeah. didn't have to worry about scarcity, and it was just who can yep. build up the best army and beat the other person fastest. I, I remember playing against a buddy that hated those maps because he was he loved that movement and exploring, and it's like, no, I just loved turtling up and throwing everything at each other as often or as numerous as possible. Yeah, and I, I was always playing on the, the Terran side of things, and so I was setting up, you know, bunkers and tanks and, and missile silos to fight against yep. the Protoss that were setting up their cruisers with yep. the 7,000 little tiny gnats of a ship. <laughs> I remember in the campaign for the Terrans, that was like kind of the way to go. Like your only way to go was just to get a bunch of siege tanks and essentially, you know, uh, uh, what's what's the phrase I'm looking for? I mean, uh, hopscotch them forward. I'm sure there's actually a military phrase for that. I know there's a military phrase for that. Hopscotch word. Yeah, where you just you you move them forward, half of them forward, and then yeah, Prodos was kind of the same way. I remember there's a, a ton of really strong characters like Kerrigan, like Rainer, yeah. like Phoenix. Like Phoenix was so good. And then spoilers when Kerrigan killed Phoenix, yeah. it was like devastating. I, and again, I think that's one reason that this game maybe stands out in my brain more than Warcraft ever did. And it's because of the plot. It's because of the like those elements that it just made it stand yeah. beyond its gameplay in my brain. And I know it was great for the gameplay at the time and it was revolutionary and did a ton. But for me, it was like it was the other elements that really stuck him out in my brain than just the gameplay. Well, and Warcraft was very it. It was the same campaign for both sides. Mm hmm. It was r- literally like everything was mirrored. And in StarCraft, it was those three different races that were completely different in gameplay. And their campaigns were completely different. 
They put so much more into StarCraft than they had. It was so cool. Like, the world building, even if it's come up that it's kind of a ripoff of 40k, which, fine, like, whatever. I don't deny that, but they did a good job of it either way. I think, you know, the other thing is I didn't didn't come from a, a background of heavy playing through campaigns is my primary thing like if a game mm-hmm. like this had the you know a one player campaign yeah i'd play it but i would yeah. remember there was someone named kerrigan in it that's that's what i remember but the hundreds of hours of multiplayer means that i don't remember the strong characters as much but i remember waiting for orders i'm on it what do you oh mean? yeah let's that, go that was that was a blizzard thing yeah every time you would click on anyone and give them any orders and all that and you know then you get into the like warcraft starcraft stop clicking on me yeah uh (laughs) but on on top of that you end up with that yeah that that experience where i know there's so much more there but for me this game is not driven by strong characters so much as what you're Mm -hmm. talking about of the balance and the fact that there was such balance between the three and they're never really developed like you win by being Protoss. You win by being Zerg. Right. They really did a good job there. And I think the other thing is this game is sort of where the CPM, APM, like actions per minute. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. From originally was that this was one of the first ones that had those like world championships and serious leagues back in like 2000. Well, I, and, and I'm sure this, this might get cut from the Rose segment because it's worth talking about in the meg se- main segment. So I'm just going to say it now so I can remember to talk about it. There were Korean Brood War professional leagues into the mid-2010s. Like, well, it was jokingly like, like one of their quote-unquote official sports of the country. And so much so that when StarCraft II came out... They required like internet providers to have like certain speeds available for everyone in the nation because they're like you cannot crash during StarCraft Two premiere. Like it was like a thing. And and even after StarCraft Two came out, like Brood War was still yeah. the main esport. Oh yeah. Well into like Kespa went way far into into StarCraft Two like official Blizzard esports. Yeah. No, and that's like really fascinating. And I think also. Kyle talks about battle.net, but I think that was one of those. I remember thinking back in the day of like after they did World of Warcraft, and I was like, well, are they going to do like StarCraft version? Because like that always felt more popular to me than Warcraft. Uh, so I was like, are they going to do a MMO? I would have died. I would have died. And That's I kind what of ex- Phoenix was supposed to be. Right. And then it turned into Overwatch. <sighs> And so, never happened. I guess it wasn't really didn't turn it Overwatch. The Phoenix got canceled and then... Their StarCraft Ghost. Yeah. But the point is still like, it, it's such a strong, it's such a strong franchise considering it really only has two major games. Yeah. But I mean, they supported those games for so long. StarCraft came out and then Brood War came out not far afterwards, but yeah. they kept supporting it and kept giving patches. Yeah. And I would say Brood War, while an expansion packet, while we might not get to playing it, I think it's well within the same realm because we've talked about DLCs with other games before. Like, yeah. That's, that's part of... But this is... I mean... This was a, a legit expansion. Yeah, no, like, for sure. I, I'm just saying, like, I think it's okay that we're going to talk about it, and especially yeah, talk about our yeah, rose-tinted yeah. memories of it, because I think they do overlap. I think well, that's Well, because at some point when you were playing multiplayer, you just stopped playing the original StarCraft, and you are playing with Brood War rules. Right. But again, like, I don't know, maybe a handful of years ago when the StarCraft Remastered came out, I bought that 
immediately. Yeah, of like, course you I had been playing bootleg versions for a while, and it's like, oh, I'm going to play this again, definitely. I, I think I streamed it a couple times. You have streamed it a few times, actually. Since the podcast the started. Yeah, on your channel. Yeah. I'm super looking forward to playing. Warcraft 2 was my first R- RTS game. StarCraft was really the first RTS that I got. Well, not... Uh, it's tough, because I, I did really, really love Warcraft 2. I, I, I was going to say StarCraft 2 was the first time that I really fell in love with RTSs, but that's wrong because WarCraft 2 was. But StarCraft 2 added so much depth that yeah. I don't go back and play WarCraft 2. No. I go back and play StarCraft. Yeah, and that, so, I, that tracks. Yeah. Did you have a favorite race that you liked? So, I... That you remember. I definitely feel like I played as the Terrans most often. I think just because... It, like that's where I started but I liked the Zerg a lot and that was because again I'm influenced by things like I like Kerrigan and so once that yeah. came out that she was part of that side I'm like well this is fascinating let's go that way so you know I'm influenced by things so I think I think I, I would normally play Terran but Zerg was the backup but Zerg I feel like if I'm right was more much more complicated Zerg had a very weird base building mechanic yeah from what i remember right and that's why i think i always played terran despite really wanting zerg because zerg was just a lot more difficult and terran felt a lot more straightforward in gameplay wise for me uh Uh, they they were absolutely the most straightforward because uh protoss had like the weird thing with the pylons right so Um, i think that's why i stuck with terran just because it was easiest which, you know, I'm sure someone can yell at me and say, it's not easiest if you want to be good at Terran, you have to, or whatever. But, no, you know. No, it's the easiest. <laughs> <laughs> Fight me, so internet. You you're going to stick with that this time? I don't know. I'll probably start with it, and then we'll see if I survive. I mean, you got to play all three campaigns as much as you can. Mm-hmm. So, I remember because it starts you with Terran, then Zerg. Then, then Protoss. Protoss, yeah. But you could, like, you could jump into any of the campaigns if you really but, wanted like, to. Again, with plot-wise, it definitely yeah. is better. If you didn't, if you came into this plot clean, you would want to go Terran then Zerg. Yeah, Terran then Zerg then Protoss because that's how the story goes. Exactly, and so that's and I feel like that's why some of the mechanics also not entirely make sense that way. But you could see like the learning methods on some of them so yeah i just remember uh, literally having so many discs of this game because i had like several bootleg copies and then i (laughs) bought a battle chest lost those bought another battle chest because it was only like 20 bucks like i bought this game so many times because i loved playing it so much yeah and this is before like downloading a game was really as much of a thing because it definitely wasn't a thing yeah despite playing online you weren't downloading games and we no. certainly didn't have the memory on any computers to play the, <laughs> to download a ton of games literally my last computer i bought it for starcraft 2 yeah my desktop two desktops ago my tower had died and was just kind of limping off of like a netbook mm-hmm. and then starcraft 2 came out and it was like i need a new i need to buy another computer yeah. <laughs> so i just went to best buy and went I looked at the specs and like specked out a computer <laughs> and it was like, I'm taking this home right now because StarCraft 2 comes out next week. Perfect. Okay. So with all that said, what is your rose score of StarCraft, Chris? Including, I will say, the DLCs. Let's include the DLCs in your scoring here. We're on a really bad streak of playing really, really nostalgic games. Eh, this whole podcast is nostalgic games. Yeah, it's a darn nine and a half. (laughs) Like, I freaking love StarCraft. It's why I bought it 
multiple times. Even after I hated what Blizzard's become, I was the worst and paid the money so I could get the remaster. <laughs> you, you, you're feeding their bad I'm habits. I'm enabling them, but <laughs> darn it. I love this game so much. Yeah. Like, it holds such a special place in my heart. What about you, since apparently you've played it and you're not going to be an incomplete? We've only done one incomplete because we found that that's unfair, apparently. <laughs> so I only Chuck Yeager never got a full score. Yeah. I give it an eight. I, I genuinely remember enjoying it and maybe more of watching. Maybe I watched a lot more than I played. I know I played. I know I played. I genuinely liked it. It's just not my style of game. This yeah. wasn't my style, and I definitely played it very shallow in the sense I only played the campaign. I don't think I ever really played a ton of... Mo- I played multiplayer maybe like once or twice, but it was never something that was like... In fairness, I didn't play a ton of multiplayer outside of land stuff because yeah. people online are jerks. Well, yes, obviously. Wait, this, I still hold to that axiom. <laughs> so my point is like, so while for a lot of people, that's going to be a huge part of it. Producer Kyle saying that's a huge part of his experience. It just wasn't mine. Yeah. But, you know, I still really had good memories of it. I'd say Rose tinted 8 out of 10. Solid score. So then, Chris, I know your predicted score is a little unfair because you have played the remaster already and you're going to play the remaster again. But what's your predicted score? No, this is going to be really hard because, again, we always say this trying to measure up against newer games. I'm going to say, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm going to say a 7 and 3 quarters. <sighs> I know, I'm doing the thing that I hate. I think the campaign is going to hold up... Nope, nope, I'm going to go seven and a half. I think the campaign is going to be narrative-wise, from what I remember, good. Gameplay-wise, I feel like probably not as good, especially mm-hmm. compared to some of the newer stuff. I, I still think the mechanics are going to be okay. I know the the pathfinding AI is going to be a little janky. Yeah. I'm going to go with seven and a half. I okay. think... I think RTSs have come a long way, but I think it's it's still going to be a solid game. Seven and a half is nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> no, not when you're two plus decades old at this point. What about you? What's your projected score? I'm going to give it seven. I think I will enjoy it. I haven't played a ton of RTSs even in modern era because, again, it's not my style of game. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to almost ease the burden on this game of I don't have a lot yeah, of modern comparisons. But... Uh, you know, they're just not my style of game. I think I've refined my taste a lot since then on what I like and what I don't like, and we'll we'll see how it goes. And maybe I'll maybe I'll turn out to be much better than I think. Probably not. Probably still yeah. gonna suck. So final scores: we have rose tinted score of nine and a half for Chris and eight for me. Predicted scores of a seven and a half for Chris and a seven for me. So. I think it's time to go back to the present, back to when we've had a chance to play this game. So let's go play that Chi Ocarina of Time and go back to the present. The laugh online. So that music means we're back from the past, back to the present where we've had a chance to actually play the game. So Chris, let's talk a bit. Let's go into the plot of StarCraft. There's a lot... And at the same time, not a lot. I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's a very good plot that I am familiar with, so kind of ignored on this playthrough, which is not fair. But anyway, so the plot is split into three episodes, one for each race. Mm-hmm. You start with the Terrans. You start with Jim Rayner, your uh, backwater deputy. 
I will say it's it's recommended. You, in theory, don't have to do it in this order. Yeah, but that's if you true. don't do it in this order, you'll be confused if you actually care about the plot. Yes. Okay. Because the, the plot is meant to be Terran, Zerg, Protoss. Yes. Which and, we mentioned in the rose. And the game does warn you. It's like, are you sure yeah. you want to do the, the, the other campaign? You should do this campaign like you, first. You haven't completed this campaign. Yeah. So I did find that interesting. But go on. Yeah. So you start with the Terrans, Jim Rayner, backwater colony sheriff, discovers the Zerg. Zerg is bad. Yeah. You're uh, you're kind of you're dealing with the what's called the Confederacy, which is the main Terran government. So Rayner discovers the Zerg. The Confederacy is like, oh yeah, the Zerg's bad. We kind of knew about them, but didn't tell you anything. And don't do anything about it. And don't do anything. We're not going to help you. So then Jim Rayner and you as the magistrate of the colony get in contact with Arcturus Mengst, who is the leader of the Sons of Korhal, which mm-hmm. is kind of this rebel group. And it's like, all right, we're going to fight the Zerg. Screw the Confederacy. Part of that involves using the Zerg to destroy other Terran colonies, which Rainer is not happy about. You meet Sarah Kerrigan, a ghost. A ghost is a special operations psyops psyker. Side note: They uh, tried to make a StarCraft Ghost N64 game. Also that failed. Never got released. Yes. Along the way, you save General Duke, who is part of the Confederacy. He joins your forces reluctantly. Eventually, you go to the Confederate homeworld of Tarsonis and lure the Zerg to them, as you've done before, and everyone hates it. Kerrigan gets left behind to die. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Jim Rayner and you, as the magistrate, are like, no, peace out. I'm not doing this anymore. And the final Terran mission is you trying to destroy the ion cannon on Charsodus to escape. Which is weird that the, yeah, the, the final Terran battle is essentially TVT. But yeah. then you move on to the Zerg campaign. You've got to protect this random chrysalis that the Overmind is telling you. After, like, four missions, it turns out the chrysalis is Kerrigan! She's been infected. Infested! Yeah. She's now a Zerg. She is now very powerful and a Psyker. And the Queen of Blades! The Queen of Blades! Now you start dealing with the Protoss... You eventually get to the Protoss homeworld of Ire, and the Overmind buries itself in the crust of Ire as you're fighting them. Blah 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 blah. That's that's the Zerg campaign. It's it's not a lot. It ends with Again. them taking over the Protoss's homeworld. Yes, Ire. You go to the Protoss campaign, Eldaris, which we'll throw in right now. The uh, not trope of the day that we wanted to use but found a better one the the trope is Aerith and Bob <laughs> so it's random names so you've got Jim Rayner but then you've also got Alderis and Arturis. Phoenix and Arturis 
So anyway, Protoss campaign. So the Protoss campaign starts on Ire that has been taken over by the Overmind. Alderis brands Tassadar, who is a Dark Templar, a heretic because he's a Dark Templar, which was a shunned kind of faction of the Protoss. A Protoss civil war breaks out while you're trying to defend Ire from the Zerg. Eventually, you come around, fight the Zerg, fight the Terrans who are kind of around there. You get to the final battle. Jim Rayner shows up again. You break through the defenses, and Tassadar sacrifices himself to plow a carrier into the Overmind that he's psychically powered, defeats it, that's the campaign. Yeah. It's it's a very compelling story, honestly. It is. And and it's they the way you get the plot pieces is really interesting is you get it in between missions where you have Thank someone you. talking to you uh, normally through little videos and stuff like that as they're giving you the mission breach briefing. But they also do it during missions. You'll have moments where everything kind of freezes yeah. on screen and the text will pop up and someone will be talking to you and that's how you know it's plot relevant. And that's how you kind of get the different pieces of the plot. And that's where you meet those other characters like Rainer and like Kerrigan is on the field. You you mm-hmm. sometimes meet them in between, but a lot of times you meet them on the field first. Yes. And, and then they will show up in the, the pre-mission briefings yeah. or stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. it's The storytelling is, is done fairly well for an RTS because, mm-hmm. again, it's it's – Unlike uh, like games like Command and Conquer, where it's mostly through uh, full motion videos, yeah, stuff like that. Like there are those in this game, but it's mostly through pre-mission briefs where you've just got a bunch of screens and different people talking. Yep. And then in level where every once in a while certain characters will talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how you get the plot. And it, it is actually a really interesting plot. And we talked about this in the rows that the plot is what really grabbed me when I was younger of like, it wasn't just generic, just click and go. Like there was more yeah. to it than that. I know I think I'm unusual that I care that much about the plot versus everyone else just likes playing the game, but it yeah. is really interesting. Um, let's get into the mechanics, as we said, of how to play the game. Again, we are not going into deep nitty-gritty details of how to play this because it's freaking hard and complicated and there's a lot there's a lot like it's it's an rts and it's a it's a very well-built rts and it's a very well-balanced rts because they've gone through so many patches and stuff like that like this game was supported for so many years but you've got the three races the the zerg terran and protoss Mm -hmm. The Terran, it's kind of, it's your first campaign. It's kind of your starter. It's the most then, basic. It's, yes. It's the most similar to what you see in other military-style RTSs. RTSs. You have and a barracks to get troops. You have minerals to harvest and, you know, Well, builders. and that's the base concept is you've got two sets of resources. You've got minerals and you've got yes. Vespian gas. And you've got supply. Which is unlike games like Command and Conquer didn't have supply or anything mm-hmm. like that. So supply, the number of units that you can have, you need to build buildings or so in, in for the Terrans it was supply depots. For the Zerg it was Overlords, which is a mobile unit. For the Protoss it was pylons, which had their own unique characteristic where you couldn't build 
buildings that weren't in an area of influence of the pylons. Zerg had something similar where you had to build on creep, which was just kind of like a weird... Purple goo. Purple goo that would spread out. Terrans didn't have to deal with any of that. <laughs> they were the most basic. Again, you started there. Yeah. But this was, again, for across all three campaigns, all three races, you start with, you have a headquarter building, whatever it happens to be yep. that you start at. It's normally where you build your base unit that mines. That's where you get your mining unit uh, mm -hmm. from your base uh, building. And then normally you get your soldiers from side building. So for Protoss, you would summon them from the gateways. gateways. For Zerg, you hatched them. Well, Zerg they also came from the main because, building. Yeah, Zerg had a unique mechanic where the hatcheries, which was your kind of base unit, yeah. spawned... Um, larva. Larva, thank you. Spawned larva, and those you turned into any unit that you had the technology for. Unlike... Unlike the other races where you needed separate buildings. Correct. But you couldn't build different or you couldn't evolve because that's how they called it in Zerg. You couldn't evolve yeah. different units unless you had built different buildings a lot of times. So you had to build right. the hydralisk den before you could evolve a larva into a hydralisk. Correct. And so, that was that's that was the base thing. There was there was technology buildings mm -hmm. which let you produce different units. Yeah. It it in its core, it was the same where it's, you've got production buildings, you've got upgrade technology buildings, yeah. which would give you, again, like better armor, better attack, stuff like that. And then you had the buildings that would enable you to produce higher units regardless. Like, they were just there. They had upgrades, but they enabled other production buildings yeah. to give you better units. Right. So you needed the academy to get fire bats for Terrans. Right. So, again, the biggest differences between, I think, the three major races, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Chris, is, again, Terran was the most straightforward. Build things, you get units, move forward. The Zerg was the larva mechanic. It was that everything comes from the same larva and that the buildings... Mm -hmm were alive so they healed themselves you didn't have yes. anything come you didn't repair your buildings they right. healed themselves because they're alive yes and Ew. they had to be on that they had to be on that creep and which was the big mechanic and so, so in, in in that your resource unit actually turned into your buildings in zerg as well yes Again, everything started from that original larva and whether it evolved into an attack unit or a resource unit that became then a resource itself of a building, they all started from that larva. So that was a strategy in in competitive play with that, where when you needed more supply, you built overlords, for, in case of the Zerg. A technique was to make a building, make more drones which was that, that gathering unit, unit mm -hmm. and then cancel the buildings, which would give you back the drone, so you essentially could get more supply than you had allotted, oh. so you could gather more. This was a StarCraft II strategy. I don't know if this worked in the original StarCraft, but it's no. one of those, like, 
break the someone system. found out how to do that and yeah. that became like the the thing to do yeah. the other thing like the zerglings were your main like fodder unit your infantry unit for zerg yes so the larva for zerglings would actually split in two so you'd get two yes. zerglings from one larva that's how much for they were supply, fodder yeah that's how much they were fodder <laughs> and so lastly for the protoss the way everything worked is it was summoned through a portal, basically. Yes, with... because you were essentially uh, warping buildings in from ire. Right. So you are in that your resource unit in that was a probe. Yes. And the probe would open the portal and then it could go about and do anything, which I thought was really interesting. Is like it was yes. it did it really quick. It was like, OK, I opened a portal. Bye. You could open and then do whatever afterwards. Right. Yeah. But that's also the big I think that for me, the big mechanic of learning the Protoss was the uh, pylons of, I was like, why isn't this building working? Because it was already there. And it was because it didn't yeah. have a pylon close enough to it, so it couldn't run. And I was like, If it was I destroyed. Think. There's literally something they refer to in the esports realm as an Artosis pylon. Because when he was playing, he had a very critical pylon that got destroyed and all of a sudden, all of his gateways weren't powered. Oh, no. Because that's how that works. If if you build this pylon, because you have to build the buildings within the sphere of the pylon, and if the pylon is destroyed, all of the buildings are powered down. So when you're fighting a Protoss, you want to aim for those pylons. Yeah, if the person is not very good at building their base. Like but, me. Yeah. <laughs> so... So the, yes. those are the key differences between all three. Yeah, very briefly. Very briefly, and, I, and there's a there's a philosophy difference. Yes, which is great among the three races. Like again, Terran is very balanced. Zerg is build a ton of units and throw them into a meat grinder. Protoss is very expensive but strong units, mm -hmm. and they have shields. So. The shields can heal themselves. Zerg can technically heal themselves. Takes a while. I should say in the in the campaign there were certain missions that were non I'll call them non production. Yes. Missions where you just started out with a set number of units and had to run through. Yep. There was one Zerg mission where I literally would just stop for about ten minutes to let Kerrigan and the other units heal. Heal. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, I don't care. I'm going to sit here and wait. There's a lot of hurry up and wait in this game. In all RTSs. A lot of times. It's, it's get this stuff, get this stuff, get this stuff. Okay, now I need to wait for the resources to build up. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. The, the, now I need the, to wait for my units to build up. Okay, okay, okay. The okay, early okay. game is very much hurry up and wait, especially how they built these levels. Yeah. It's go find your base, go establish your base, build up, and then roll through. Yeah. Like... I, I do think they they built the the levels fairly well. Yeah. I thought the Terran campaign honestly got a little boring. I said this in the rows. Like, you get late game Terran, and at least my philosophy was you take siege tanks and just, like, run and scoot. Or you could do what producer Kyle did when we did our four-player thing, and he built yeah, up his whole base, <laughs> and then just built um like a billion battle, battle cruisers, yeah. battle cruisers, and just dominated everyone. <laughs> well, and and in the um, you you find those techniques and strategies that work because for the Zerg it was like just do mass mutas, yeah, 
mass mutilisks and guardians once you get them and you just roll through everything right like, and, and i think that is really interesting i i do find that in this game when i was playing and i i did get a chance to play all three campaigns i didn't finish any of them but i played all three so i had experience trying all three races oh you're better i i did not get through i did not even get to the protoss campaign i, just, I was i i looked up the protoss campaign campaign to remind myself yeah. what the goals were so i but for all of them at some point if you're not good, like I'm still learning and I didn't know what I was doing. <clears throat> it was just how many units can I build up to just then overwhelm wherever I'm going? Like sometimes oh, yeah, that's, that's just what you have to do. So I think, and, uh, and this is, this bleeds into Starcraft two. Starcraft two didn't let you get away with that. You couldn't just turtle and build and move because there was always like a timer, mm. like, do move 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 and that was that was kind of a, a, a I won't say annoying but like a weird part of the campaign where it was just yeah as you said build up huge forces and go yeah and that's both a good and bad thing that you don't want to do that but it's it's nice for people who don't have the strategy and just don't know what they're doing to have that as a backup no that's the easiest way to go like I don't it's that's just what makes sense yeah so let's get into the actual, like, our feelings. We're already getting into our feelings. The Zerg missions were super interesting. I know uh, producer Kyle and I hit the same mission where it was just a freaking meat grinder of a level because you're going up against siege tanks and all you have is, like, hydralisks and Zerglings and you're trying to attack. Oh, no. And they just get Wrecked. mangled. Yeah. Like, again, you almost have to go tons of mutilists, the flying units, I, and just sweep through. So I want to say, this is another limitation of StarCraft. The original is you can only select up to 12 units at a time. Oh, my God. Yes. So, so trying, Which... trying to get a big, massive group to one area or not, it was... Drag, click, point, drag, click, point, drag. And I know I, there are hotkeys. I know there are hotkeys. Yes, there I was, was there never going to get was into command the groups. Keys. No. There was command groups, which was very important for that stuff. There was a joke in StarCraft where it was just like, select, go, select, yeah. go, select, go. Because, again, it, it kind of reminded me in StarCraft all of the um, quality of life improvements that StarCraft II had, like, unlimited select groups. And one big thing was idle workers. So you could hit a button and find a worker in StarCraft II that wasn't doing anything. Oh. And that's a huge deal. That is it's actually like, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so that, that is really, that was one thing. I know uh, producer Kyle was talking about on one of his missions. He did do the command groups, but he said he'd have, like, he had them hotkeyed of, like, this group goes here, and he was just constantly yeah. he's like i had thir 36 or was it 48 he had like 36 to 48 troops that he was just sending off with his yeah. commands and i was like that's too complicated for me i'm sure it would have been easier i just didn't get to that point where i really needed that i wasn't there yet so and that command group thing where it's you can essentially hotkey a unit or group of units yeah. to one through nine 
you could go deeper into that and select the scanning platform for the Terrans. Oh. So you could select buildings, essentially. Oh, that's nice. So it's like scan here, or or even hatcheries was very important for the Zerg. Zerg, yeah. So you can hotkey, select, build. Mm. Same thing with any other production thing. Like you could you could do that with buildings. It was, it's a way that you know to to make things faster. I won't say keep your APM up, but it's a way to just be more it's efficient. It's a way to be more efficient, which. I was not efficient, which is which is what I struggle with. I just this was just just reminded me because I struggle with the dropship, and that's one thing of like trying to move the Terran dropship somewhere and drop people without having the dropship murderized. I really struggled on that. Yes. And more than that, coming back to your pathfinding, I had a dropship. It dropped people, which was fine. It was a clear area, except one of the Marines ended up in the middle of a bunch of crystals. Oh, yeah. And so I couldn't get to him until I picked him back up and moved him. I was like, why would you drop him in the middle of the crystals dropship? Why? And that was rushing. But that's me not knowing the dropship is my biggest complaint about this game is that the tutorials were great. They told you what to do at a certain point. Barely. And then they stopped telling you anything. And so I literally was sitting there of like, I was on that mission and I could not figure out. They're like, you have to go after the Zerg base. I was like, how? How do I get there? There's water in between. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? What am I doing? And Chris is like, in the chat, he's like, you need a dropship. I didn't know I had a dropship. It was early (laughs) enough. I'd never used dropships before. I hadn't built the starport. So I had no flying aircraft. So I didn't know that. So it was like, but no one told me. If they had told me, you need a starport. That's all they had to tell me, and I would have figured it out from there because I would have clicked in, then I was like, oh, look, there's yeah. something called dropship. I'm not an idiot. I know what a dropship is. <clears throat> but they didn't tell me that, and that frustrated the bejeebus out of me. So, like, I did the first camp, uh, first um, mission, first two missions in Protoss, and mm-hmm. I was doing it, and they did tell you a little bit. Like, they said, oh, you need a pylon to, pu- to power all of your buildings and blah, blah, blah. I kind of missed it. I, I understood you needed a pylon, but I didn't hear mm-hmm. the full explanation of you need it for everything. I thought it was just explaining that it was my supply depot equivalent. I was like, cool. So I go, and this is the the very first mission where you already had the gateway there. So you didn't need to build another uh-huh. one. And so I was like, okay. And it kept being like underpowered, underpowered. And I was like, what does that mean? What does <laughs> underpower mean? And I didn't know because everything else was working. All my other buildings worked. And I, the funny thing is I had built other buildings within the pylon perimeter so i knew that i had to do that but i just didn't make the connection until i finally was like oh i need to build a pylon right next to this freaking building yes and then power it but they never like they kind of vaguely told me that but they didn't tell me that i gave you a building without a freaking pylon and so i had to because it wasn't destroyed it just had never had one it was it was a learning moment a long learning moment also, can we talk about how producer Kyle is playing StarCraft in the background? Yes, as as we are filming this. As we are recording this episode. He is in the middle of the Zerg campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so As soon as he as soon as he put the laptop down, I was like, oh no, that's <laughs> he's playing StarCraft. As we speak. Yeah. So <laughs> 
that was really frustrating. And that was across all the campaigns. It's like I had to keep asking yeah. producer Kyle on the Zerg campaign and being like, how do I do this? How do I do this? What is this? How do I do that? And that's, they don't tell you enough, in my the opinion. The Zerg is the weirdest, honestly. It's not explained. Like, it's a weird mechanic that all of your yeah. buildings have to be formed from your unit. So you lose a unit. And that's annoying. And you're like, oh, so I keep losing drones because they keep turning into buildings. Yeah, and and that's a thing, and your your production is all from the hatchery. Yeah, everything is from the hatchery. So that's why it, they they call them macro hatches. You build another hatchery to just spawn more. Oh, that makes sense. Larva spawn more larva, so you could build more units. Like that's that's just a thing but in the- those high high end yeah that's something e-sports. i just obviously wasn't going to be aware of and it was just very yeah. very frustrating of like and and this is cuz it was early levels you didn't have the flying units yet so i had to just wander the whole freaking map to find <laughs> the terrans with like literally this is when i had about 40 units that i was dragging across yeah. the map trying to find the terrans there was that one and then on the protoss one i had a similar one where i had to find the zerg with my Protoss, and at one point, it was like, destroy their base, and I destroyed everything except for there were three overlords just hanging out. Couldn't do anything. Just hanging out. And because of the process, all but one of my um, uh, dragoons had been killed, and so I had a bunch of zealots who couldn't attack oh, who me. couldn't do air to, <laughs> who yeah, couldn't air, do uh, air attack. Air, and so yeah. I had just one little... And, uh, so I, and it was so far away from my base, I was building more, but it took so long to build them and then send them up to where I was. I just had one dragoon just trying to shoot these overlords out of the air. And I was like, oh, this is so oh frustrating. <laughs> but, so, you know, so, so we should talk about PvP. Yes. Not that we've done a ton of that, but... It's interesting because the campaign versus PvP is so different. Even if the mm-hmm. the AI of the game is just so different. So, like, the AI in the campaign has a bunch of set bases and buildings. Okay. And as we saw in the, the time that we played PvP... The AI in in that setting is just expand, yeah, expand, expand, which doesn't happen in the campaign because there's you know scripted stuff. But the idea of of those two different settings and the philosophy of how you should play mm-hmm. is so different. Like as we found because we played uh, oh. all four of us versus the computer versus Yay! the computer. You need to be incredibly quick. Yeah. In your defenses. I I got lucky I was in a corner that they didn't really come attack me. They went after you and producer Kyle right away pretty much. And so luckily you two were the most prepared. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I was... saved I saved producer Kyle. Yes, and, and then... then he just then he just turtled for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You again the YouTube video will come out. Uh, check yes. it out. You will see 
Uh, at one point, I pan over to his section of the map and was like, good lord, it's so organized and clean. It's just all <laughs> turrets. <laughs> turrets around the whole border. Then just everything is nice and makes organized. Sense. It was perfect. I loved it. I was like, yeah, this tracks. <laughs> but you can't do that in the campaign at all. No, like it's it's super interesting that the philosophy is so different between yeah. the campaign and PvP, and and it's interesting that they built the AI differently yeah. between the campaign and PvP, or just playing against other people, which we haven't done, and I will never do because <laughs> people on the internet are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is really interesting, but I think that's not a bad thing. It's 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 adapting no. the experience to what makes the most sense for that style of game. For campaign, yeah. you can't have an AI that just keeps building out and out and out and out and out because you have storylines you have to hit. You have plot right. you have to hit. You have to say that they can't the enemy AI can't find you until you find the base that you're supposed to find. Like that's just yeah. what happens. And so I find oh, that no, that's, really interesting. That's the worst thing when you accidentally scout. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's like 15 Zerglings running at you. It's like, <laughs> oh, what have I done? There, there definitely were a couple moments of the stream and when I was playing off stream too where I sent someone out to be a scout and be like, oh, oh God, oh God, oh God, run, run. No, sacrifice, sacrifice. Don't come back yeah. to the base and lead them back to the base. <laughs> I love that StarCraft had the ability to have an observer watcher online play. Yes. That is such yeah. a cool built-in mechanic that yeah. they're like, who is your observer to come watch what you're doing? And I was like, that's really cool. It's a great way to get people involved and be able to, as you said, watch. They can explore the map wherever. They yeah. don't have to look where you're looking. They can look everywhere, yeah. which that's really cool. So overall, I think obviously we had a ton to say. If enough people bug us, Chris may do an extra episode where he talks more about the development of the game as well as maybe talk Brood War stuff. So, if we get enough there's, traction... There's possibly a bonus episode involved. Bonus episode. There's a lot. Because I'm sure there's we forgot something. That I haven't, yes, a lot that I probably haven't talked but about. But we really don't want this to be a four-hour episode. So, we, no. have to, we have to start cutting it down. But, overall, you know... I still don't love RTSs, but do I understand them more as an adult than I did when I was younger? Yeah. And and can I figure it out once I knew the mechanics? Yeah, I could I'm a lot better once I know what I'm doing. You know, I feel like that's everyone, but still it took me a while to know what I was doing, and that's annoying. Uh that's producer Lisa, where she was when, before we did the four four on three yeah. computer like i literally don't know how to build things yeah i know i've done this before it's a lot if you've never played an rts it's a lot it's a lot but overall chris i think it's time i hate to rush it but i think it's time for scores so chris what is the final score you give for starcraft nine easily a nine okay like there are some problems it gets like some of the missions get a little bit draggy and some of the mechanics are rough and this is in the view of fixes in StarCraft 2 and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's still a 9. I love this game so much. I wish I could have played more of it. Mm -hmm. How about you? It. Good thing you bought it. I did buy it. I bought it so many times. As I said in the rose, <laughs> I bought the battle. I literally bought two battle chests. That sounds right. And then I bought... I bought original StarCraft when it came out 
sort of like four Windows ah. seven. I, now I, it's free. Update. Which is annoying, I still don't but, know when I played it when I was younger, but you know. <laughs> I can't figure out when I you played know. it. I literally don't know when you played it. I don't either. I don't <laughs> know. So. It, maybe it was college. Maybe it was as late as college, and I'm not it remembering. Had to it have must been. have been in college. Anyway, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. So I liked it more than I thought I was going to. The plot is very compelling, and I think they interweave the plot so well with the game. Like I couldn't get the whole plot by just watching the the cutscenes in between. You yeah. need to have the gameplay, which you can't say that for all RTSs, as we were saying. So I right. really appreciate that the lack of direction sometimes was just too frustrating because it's not intuitive. It's not intuitive that you have to do certain things sometimes. And that was really, really frustrating, especially like on the Zerg campaign. There's none of that's intuitive. Yeah. And that's part of it is you've never played an RTS before. It's, it's tough because if you have played other RTS games, a lot of this was way more straightforward. So, but yes and no, because I, I've played similar enough games that I knew the basic concepts of get as much supplies as possible, then you start building this. I got some of that, but it was the nuances of, oh, and maybe it's because I played early missions before and I was like, oh, in the early missions, there's no starport. Suddenly there's a starport. I didn't know that there was an advanced building menu in the SCV menu. But and that's, so I that's didn't a, even know to look a, there. That's an RTS thing. Uh, what other RTS games have you played? No, I'm saying similar style games of like building, world building kind of games of like. This, those aren't RTS games. Whatever. The point this is. This is an RTS staple. Uh, I'm going to call you out of here. Fine. Like, whatever. And, and in, again, it. I'm not saying that your score is not bad because if you've never played an RTS game, they need to tell this you. is not an easy game to play. They need to tell you. Like, yeah. And, and especially, I can't imagine back then playing it when there weren't a lot of RTS games. Except we talked about playing Warcraft 2. I uh, know. I know I didn't play Warcraft 2. I watched you play Warcraft 2. Uh, all right. Different. Fair enough. So anyway, seven and a half out of ten. It's still higher than my predicted seven, so... I went seven and a half on my predicted, you were which is actually kind of predicted. shocking, yeah. I was aggressively disappointed in this game ahead of time, but I loved playing it again. Yeah, so that's I'm, great. I'm going to keep playing it. And it again, we will try to maybe coast-to-coast coast play some of this, but I actually honestly re recommend, if you like RTSs, if, you, if you've never played it, you can play StarCraft for free. For free through Battle.net, and I think that's so cool. Like I am playing, I played everything I played. I have not paid for anything. I didn't pay for the upgrades or anything. I played the original StarCraft campaign as well as online play with people who had the remaster, which I thought was yes. also really cool. Is yes. Chris had the remaster, and I think uh, producer Lisa had the remaster, and and the cartoon version, and producer Kyle had the remaster. Yeah. I had the basic one, and we could all play together, which is so cool. And I. Love that they're giving you that access. So there's literally no cost to trying this game if you've never tried it. Try it out. Play it. If if you've... I mean, I would say if you've ever played an RTS. If you... All right. I don't know. I don't know the age of, of our listeners. It might make me feel really old. Because part of my brain was, if you've played an RTS, you've played StarCraft. But Maybe not. I don't know that that's true anymore. Please don't make me feel old. <laughs> no, but it, it, 
if you've played an RTS, play this game. If you've never played it, if you haven't played it in a while, go back and play it again. Go I think back just, and play it again. Yeah. It's free. I think that's awesome that they have it available. As much as Blizzard Activision has done some really crappy things in recent years, and they don't really care about game development anymore. More reason to play it for free. Yeah, don't give them more money. Play it for free. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I, the group play I found way more fun because that was just fun. We were working together, and that was great for me, who's not very good, having people who were better be on my team and not just wrecking yeah. me was really nice. So I felt more confident of being like, oh, God, Chris, 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 help. Like, help, and that's, help. That's The number nice. of times you just left random units <laughs> to just die. It's like, what, I'm under attack? It's like, yeah, you just left someone. I'm literally screaming over <laughs> over the the chat to be like, You're, you have someone there. Move them away. They're dying. See, that's my philosophy of like, eh, if you're there, you're gone. <laughs> Which is awful. Uh, also, I started attacking Chris's building because I didn't know what it was because I hadn't played yes, the Protoss campaign was, yet. <laughs> that was the thing that happened. <laughs> Katie didn't know how Protoss buildings worked. And so I'm trying to warp in a, a, a uh, not command center, whatever it is. They're hot. Yeah, head. I'm trying to warp it in, and she was like, what is this? Kill it. I was like, why are you shooting my building? You killed all of my probes. Did I? Yes! <laughs> you killed all of my probes and one of my pylons. Sorry. <laughs> so, go. Play this game. Play this we, game. We are Play actually. With this, there's a multiplayer mode that we haven't explored yet where. You can literally, everyone controls the same uh, units. That's too much chaos. It's going to be yeah. bad. It's it's going to be hilarious. So go ahead, play games. We really liked it. We really had a ton of fun. So if you get a chance, play some StarCraft and, yeah, have some fun with some RT, old school RTSs. Chris, what is our next episode? It's General that Chaos. That is a General great chaos. question. General Chaos. Our next episode, and I knew this. I saw it. I saw it. Our next episode is General Chaos, an old-school Sega game that nobody remembers. I was going to say, we're going from a really, really popular, well-known game to a game that probably no one knows about. So that'll be fun. Yep. <laughs> so look forward to that. Look forward to the streams, as I said, over on Twitch at GWGW Show, videos on YouTube and on Facebook at Games We Grew Up With, as well as our other social media. Reach out to us. We really do love hearing from everyone. It, it really makes our day when we see someone comment and be like, I love the show or something like that's great. And it means the world to us. So thank you so much oh, for yeah. that. Uh, we do this for fun. And seeing you guys reach out is, is so great. And it, it makes us very happy. Big thanks to all of the fans, all the people that interact with us on Twitch and Facebook and, and all the rest of social media. Big thanks to the producers helping us do what we can, making and, sure we're correct and playing the things that we say. Us. And playing StarCraft with us. Uh, so, I think on that note, again, we'll see you in four weeks. Check out some online content from us otherwise bug chris to get another starcraft episode out if you want another mini episode bonus episode of starcraft bug chris that's on him that's fair <laughs> so thank you very much and say goodbye chris goodbye chris bye carrier has arrived
the, I had another one, and I forgot it already. Oh, the, uh, thus I serve. So it Yeah. Or, I long for combat. I long for combat. I long for combat. I'm not an idiot. I know what a dropship is.